Hey everybody, welcome to the Prep Life Podcast. This is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Enger, today with my fabulous co-host. <laughs> hey guys, this is Chris Nicole, Glam Girl Bikini Coach and IFBB Bikini Pro. So we were just together uh, not too long ago, a couple days ago. Yay. On Friday we had MPC Universe in Teaneck, New Jersey, and this was probably our biggest uh, show in terms of a national show turnout with um, competitors, number of competitors. And, yeah. Um, you had your first competitor at a national show place in the top five. So that was exciting. Yay. Yeah, that was so exciting. I was, I felt like a mom just like watching my kids like graduate or something. Cause not that I know what that feels like, but I definitely was like welling up with tears and I was like, Oh my gosh, I need to keep it together right now. So yeah, yeah, it was a it was a good show, fun experience. Yeah, I had um, Brittany Gable. She placed two for the first time at nationals. She yeah. uh, really improved from last year. She had gotten second call at her first national show, and then she got fourth this year. And she, the winner of her class, actually won the whole deal. And there were like four hundred bikini athletes, so she was in the class with the overall winner. So. It was some tough competition, that's for sure. Yes. Yeah. National level shows always are a good reminder that things are constantly evolving and leveling up. So um, that's like one thing that I liked with uh, another client of mine. So Shelly plays top five, but um, we had Jamie transitioning from wellness to bikini and she was doing good at a regional level. And it was time to see where she stacked up at, at a national level so that we could get some good feedback. Yeah. Um, so that was her first bikini national. She had done nationals as a wellness competitor, but that was her yep, first time exactly. at nationals as a bikini competitor. And then I also mm -hmm. had uh, a first timer as well with Becca. Um, she got a placement. She had a huge class of like 25. And, yeah. Um, I think she kind of just went into it with no expectations and did really <laughs> well for um, for her first national show, getting second call outs. It's really good. So. Yes. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, and then so we did um, wanted to go over just kind of how MPC Universe has changed since we competed there when it was Team mm -hmm. Universe, I think. Or no, that was the first year that it changed to MPC Universe, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember it as Universe. I was wearing my T-shirt from 2018 uh, over the weekend, and it just said Universe on it. Yeah, yeah. So it used to be called Team Universe. And then hmm. the year that we competed, which was 2018, correct? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was, um, it changed to MPC Universe. And I remember the show being very New York feel, a lot of like mm -hmm. banging on the walls and like getting screamed at. And it was really <laughs> tight backstage. And I felt like this time around, and I think we can both agree from just like the feedback that we got from athletes and the vibe that we were we were feeling um, because we had we had coached in 2019, so we saw it from mm -hmm. the coach's perspective and the athlete's perspective. And then when during COVID, it moved to South Carolina to Charleston, South Carolina in 2020 and 2021. So this is the first year that it came back since we had been there, and I just felt like the the vibe was a lot better. Everything was a mm -hmm. lot more chill. Um, I did like the fact that. So one thing that was always really hard as a coach and um, as an athlete as well 
is since it is a small backstage and there was no text message alerts like Gary Udit's shows have, you yeah. kind of had to stay in the backstage and it was very small, closed quarters mm -hmm. with a lot of athletes. And this time around, because of, I think, just the evolution of COVID and the lockdown um, from them doing the live stream last year, they had a live stream this year. And so even though we had tickets to the show and we were at the show, it was really convenient since everything's in the same building. We just went ahead and bought the live stream and we're watching it and keeping an eye on my iPad in the room. And we just let all the athletes kind of hang out in the room and we're giving them updates as, you know, if we were sitting in the show or if we were watching it on the iPad, we were kind of giving them our own text alerts and our group me. And I felt like that worked out really well so that uh, they would know kind of mm -hmm. with their hair, their makeup, and their tan that they didn't have to stress, but they also didn't have to sit backstage in the uncomfortable floor. They could just chill in their beds and put their feet up and be comfortable. So yeah, I yeah, like that was and I, I absolutely and I liked that our you know, we had three coaches on staff there, and we always had one someone. Uh, giving the updates and the group me of like what class was on if it was individuals or comparisons like if it was a small class or big class like just to keep people in the loop um, because there would be times right Amy where you'd have to go run and tie someone's suit in because they're getting on stage or I had to go you know send Shelly backstage early um, so we weren't always in one spot we we're kind of like all over the place but I think we did a good job taking turns of updating on the group me with how the show was being run so our athletes knew it was happening and saving uh our seats too in the audience so we could get um you know yeah good, so we could a good perspective yeah so we could give them coaching from the audience because I think it's really important sometimes when people get nervous they forget to like yes. pull around their elbow or like square up or um turn mm -hmm. away their belly button so um just yep. kind of giving them cueing and I always make eye contact with all my athletes. They can, I can tell they can see me because mm -hmm. they respond and react to what I'm saying. They change whatever tweaks I, I scream. And, um, yep. I, you know, at one point I made eye contact with my client, Erin, I was like, smile. And she put, <laughs> just lit up on stage. Um, so yeah, I think it's important to note a couple of things about a national show because they're just sort of ramping up here. Now we've had three that have um, occurred and then we have pretty much three more big ones coming up very soon um, mm -hmm. in the summer. So, you know, uh, MPC um, Junior Nationals starts it off and then it goes um, Junior Nationals and then um, this one was NPC Universe. And then in three weeks, we have Masters Nationals in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. And then in eight weeks, we have North Americans also in Pittsburgh. And, oh, and I'm sorry, I forgot. Um, there's also USAs at the end of July. So they're very right. all, you know, close together. So some important things to know is um, if your class is, you know, about eight or less, which isn't super common, but it did happen in mm -hmm. uh, universe, especially like in the wellness categories. And I think mm -hmm. coach Deb had eight in her class. Um, she did very well, by the way, she ha got fifth. Um, so shout out to her. And, but anyways, so what they did in those classes is they had them come out individually first and at mm -hmm. universe, they had them stand on the diagonal in 
a three, like three people standing on the diagonal. So just so you know, there were three people on deck that were basically getting judged while one person was in the box doing their individual. And then another Mm -hmm. person was at the top of the steps. So essentially you had five people on stage. Now I know at Gary's shows, he typically has just one person on deck out in the open waiting and Mm -hmm. then one person in the box. But just so you can kind of wrap your head around that, if you haven't been to a national show and you're heading to one, if you have a smaller class, you'll probably start with your individual and then you'll Mm -hmm. all come out as a group. And basically it's the comparison round combined with the call outs. Now, if you have a larger group, so for example, 10 or more, then you'll come out in groups in the beginning for comparisons. They'll turn you once, maybe twice, exit Mm -hmm. you off stage. Then you come out for your individual. And then once everybody's done their individual, then they go on the diagonals for call outs. And mm-hmm. uh, some of these, you know, call outs were three and four deep because they had, you know, close to 30 athletes. Yeah. In some of those open categories. So mm-hmm. uh, at universe, the top two and open get a pro card. And then at the master's level, first place for each height class gets a pro card, but they don't have as many categories at universe for masters. So for example, they didn't have the 55 or the 45 class. And then for 35 and 40, they usually have a through H. They only had like a through F. So Mm -hmm. at masters nationals in three weeks, there's going to be a lot more opportunities for masters competitors to win the pro card because there'll be more height splits. There'll be more age categories available. So, um, yeah, but you'll see if you do cross over, you only pose in your individual for that first um, category that you're in. That makes sense. Yeah, I actually, that's really interesting about the height splits or, or how it's different for mas- master's competitors at national level stages. Yeah, it just depends. So, like, for example, your client Shelly and Deb, they were in B and C with 50 plus. So it went A through D. Mm-hmm. And it might be the same at Masters Nationals as well for the okay. 50 plus. At least that's what yeah. it was last year. But they had so many in the 50 plus last year that I'd be surprised if they didn't make it through F at least this coming year. I do remember those classes being really big and being really surprised. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of how the prejudging went. And um, just to note as well, wellness, you know, open masters and bikini masters and open all went on the same day. So class mm-hmm. H open was the last one on stage. And basically they were coming off stage and the night show was beginning. So there's not mm-hmm. a whole lot of downtime if you aren't one of the first classes on um, and vice versa. Um, but the night show goes pretty quick at nationals because they don't have anyone except the top five do their individual routine. So anybody that was, you know, six through, um, well, they only place one through 15 and then everybody else Mm -hmm. is 16th place at nationals. So all of those people just kind of waved and they got their name announced and then they exited the stage and then the top Mm -hmm. five did their routine and then they got their awards. So the night show went pretty fast. Um, Yeah. Which I thought was really nice for it because it was a long morning and it made it very, uh, it's ran really smooth 
because I think people are tired by the end of the day and you still get your moment on stage for finals. So like close out your national um, day of competition, but it allowed, I think for everybody to go out to dinner and get some food and uh, just, I think kind of like soak in celebrating too, for those people that did really well. Yeah. And it gave us a lot of time to just stand in line and not get to bed too late. Uh, most mm-hmm. shows, I feel like I get to bed at midnight um, standing in line yeah. to get feedback from Sandy. And I literally sprinted up there with my athletes, but we still got <laughs> – I mean, people were ready. As soon as that last award, that yes. overall was – I mean, they just booked it up there. So we wanted to talk about – spend some time talking about feedback. And I think it's important, as I mentioned, there are several shows kind of – back-to-back in terms of nationals and so if you come close to hitting the mark sometimes it's important to know based on your feedback should I move on to that next step should I Mm -hmm. take some time off so we wanted to talk about the different types of feedback that were received we won't mention names or like who got what feedback but I wanted to talk about each of the pieces of feedback and as an athlete and a coach how you determine if it's appropriate to push forward, what are next steps? What's the strategy when you get that type of feedback? So if you Mm -hmm. wanted to start um, with some examples, Chris, and how you're moving forward with those, that'd be great. Of course. Yeah. So um, my client who is over 50, um, you know, placed top five. So we are, her feedback basically was a little bit about Sandy said about her waist. So um, I think with some posing corrections, I think when people are on stage on nationals for the first time, a lot of times we get like um, some posing blips. So like Amy said, it's really good for us to be there to be able to screen things. Um, So I think a little bit of tweaking with posing is going to really help, um, which is something we can easily fix because we are um, aiming for the next national show and um, a little bit of feedback on upper glute development, which we knew was something we needed to improve upon and it has continued to improve. So we'll see what we can get out of it um, for her next national show. But for the most part, she got really good feedback. Um, I think just a little bit tighter conditioning, a little bit more, fullness on the glutes and some posing, I think are all things that can be tweaked in the time frame we have. So um, yeah, we're just making some corrections there and we'll be moving on to the next show to see where she stacks up again. Um, did you want to go through a client or you want me to go through my second one? Yeah, I wasn't going to, I'll just like kind of go through general things just so that I'm kind of not calling people out or whatever but okay so sorry um, for my top five client we know who you are (laughs) yeah I mean we know Shelly did well so I think yeah it's it's good that you're bringing up that she's top five because if you're in the top five that's a pretty good sign that you're right there on the cusp like yeah you really should keep going and so she did say you know leaner in the legs and pose your angle a little bit better on your waist so those are things that are fixable within three weeks exactly um so yeah and then I mean obviously we know Brittany got fourth so mm-hmm. you know the top two got their pro card so 
essentially, you know, third and fourth, like she's right there on the edge of getting her pro card. So, I mean, that third place could go to USA's and win her pro card and, you know, she's next in line. Um, And at USA's you get two pro cards. So, I mean, for me, I would say she would be ready for, you know, a USA's or uh, North Americans. And um, that would be something totally doable uh, because the feedback was we need to make sure her shoulders don't get too striated in her rear delts. Mm -hmm. And that's just a matter of not pumping them as much, um, making sure that they stay full and Mm -hmm. um, lower abdomen control. And so I think something that every woman can kind of relate to is just that when you're um, a couple of days out from your period, get a little bit of lower abdomen bloating. And so mm-hmm. if you do track your period and you know that like certain shows where they line up with your cycle, um, that was unfortunately, you know, like a couple of days before the cycle. So sure. we knew that her lower abdomen wouldn't be where it was like, so strategically there's some things that we can do to, um, you know, kind of look at the calendar, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. So other than that, like Sandy said, her glutes were perfect. Um, I mean, her musculature in her upper body was hands down um, fuller. I felt like in, in terms of like actual muscle mass, it was the biggest mm-hmm. on stage out of yes. the top five. So just making sure that we don't get those striations in the back of her shoulders, which yeah. is just, you know, a, a filling out thing. It's not something that is um, not fixable. So really easy, easy, fix. easy tw- yeah. tweaks, you know. Um, and yeah. then with some other feedback is just like leaner. Um, so that just takes time. And um, when if we were to get that somebody needed more muscle, then that mm-hmm. would be another story that we would just say, okay, we need to take some time off. We need to build. But you know, my other feedback that I got from, um, my other clients was just, you know, come in tighter, come in leaner. And that was it, you know, so that's just time of dieting and cardio and conditioning. And, um, so in my opinion, you know, you want to give yourself enough time to get to that point where you can drop the body fat, but it's, it's totally doable. So at that point, I would say definitely set a next date and move forward. Um, yeah. And then some other feedback that was said to another client was, um, too lean or, um, and so, well, I guess if that's ever said to a client, um, you have a really easy fix in my opinion as well Mm -hmm. in that you just pull off on the conditioning and soften up. So Sandy was kind of mentioning, you know, the difference between like getting tighter, getting softer. You don't want to go too extreme with either way. So if you are a person that, you know, she's saying you're too lean or you're not lean enough, you need to make sure you're like, actually pinpointing what that needs to be like don't go too far over the mark which can be hard to do yes but both are fixable again I think the key word that you need to listen for is um 
if you need muscle all over or things like that, that's when you kind of say, okay, we need some time off and we're not going to move yeah. on to the next show. Yes. Which I definitely think is, um, like knowing the body. So if I have a client that has done like a lot of steps to bring down like an, uh, a muscle group that is like too overpowering or they've done a lot of cardio or they've done a lot, a lot of dieting and we're getting feedback that they need more upper body or more mid glute or, you know, something of that nature. We know we need to go into an improvement season where we're pulling down all of that like steady state activity so we can give the body a little bit more time or a little bit more space to be able to build that muscle. Um, which is not a bad place to be in if you have like an oversized body part and you're doing activity to bring that down. Unfortunately, your body's not going to just bring down like one muscle group. If you're doing like steady state, it's going to bring, it's going to pull muscle tissue from all over. So it kind of like brings the canvas back or kind of if their body's canvas, it kind of puts them back in a space where you can kind of build upon it. Um, so I actually think that that's like not horrible feedback at all. It's like, okay, if I am a I'm fitting in bikini and we need to um, just like emphasize the physique in certain areas to make it click a little bit more, you're in a you're in a prime spot and it's time to go into a building season. So that I think is is good. And yeah, I was hearing a lot of abdominal control. I was hearing a lot of that in line we're waiting to get um, feedback from Sandy. So they're, they're watching the abdomens. Yeah. It's really important that you practice long durations of vacuuming and that you're doing it while you're posing because there were yes. times where they just kept turning people and kept having them up there. And I swear that they were just looking for that moment mm -hmm. when the abdomen like kind of loosened up. You know, because you can yeah. hold it for a while if you have practiced ab vacuums, but if you don't practice them for, you know, a good solid like 15 minutes of holding in poses, it's going to be hard when you get up there to have that control when you're doing a yeah. comparison round and it's tight. It's going to be a matter of who has practiced the ab vacuums while they're posing not just like while you're laying on your back in the morning. Right. It's easy, you know, right. actually going through adding seconds on every day in your posing routine and really controlling your core while you're hitting your poses. Yeah. I felt like I was holding my breath with some of these lineups <laughs> when they had them standing there. Um, because I could tell like everyone was like trying to keep it together and they're just standing there in one, one spot holding that pose. And I do try and do that um, with practicing as I'll go into a posing room and stare at a clock and hold my front pose for, I don't know, 30 seconds. Uh, because I think that's the pose a lot of times you're stuck in for a while mm -hmm. um, because they're deliberating. They've seen your backsides. Now they're just deliberating. So well, and yeah, in your back I think... pose, you can relax, right? So Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that I think is like a good practice. And I like what you said there. I'll always have people kind of like uh, graduate when they're doing their abdominal vacuums, like have them on the floor because that's the easiest way to get it like 
activated. So you're pulling your spine to the floor and then like either trying on all fours or standing upright. And I think you're absolutely right, Amy. It needs to be done in your poses as well because that's where it really matters because your pelvic position is going to be different and that's linked to your abdominals. So it's going to be either stretching them in a different way than it is when you're lying flat on the floor with your knees up. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's my biggest takeaway from universe. I, I think, you know, moving forward, we're strategizing in terms of whatever the person's timeline is with the reverses, you know, if mm-hmm. it's to get leaner, then, you know, we're really li- taking a look at steps and, um, the diet and the cardio and if you know if they're going into a building season what are some things that are you just going straight into like a recovery diet um for some of your clients in that position yeah so I think it depends on the person but um if I have somebody that tolerates calories really well I'll give them a significant calorie bump like uh right after the show so that they're feeling really full. They're eating a lot of food. I'll always kind of like pull protein up a little bit too, to keep them satiated. Cause you know, a lot of times post-show people are eating the, um, really the sweets or the, you know, foods that they haven't had in a while. Um, so getting them back onto like their prep foods or their clean foods, uh, for the most part, I think just giving them like a big calorie, increase and then they're full and they don't want to like keep indulging in all of these extra things but yeah and then like throughout the reverse we work on like making sure food variety is a staple and um letting them be able to incorporate foods that they like so it's not just black and white like you can't have anything Um, but really the main point is to have those calories so that you can have great sessions in the gym so you get you know, some deload workouts after your show to recover from that long day. And then we go right back to work. Um, and I think for most of us, that's the part that we really enjoy is the training the gym and, you know, getting a good pump after um, you've been dieting and you're still kind of lean and you look really good in the gym. And, uh, you're well fed. Uh, that's my favorite part is that like afterwards. So, um, yeah, we're going to just incorporate that. Yeah. The post-show strategies for everybody was kind of different, just depending on what their timeline, what their next step goal is. So mm-hmm. some people, I just gave them like one free meal and then said, you know, the next day you need to start your reverse um, because your show yes. is like coming up and yep. you need to kind of keep it like a clean type of um, refeed meal. And we kind of talked about what type of when that would be because sugar exposures can really take about two weeks to kind of get out of your system and same with like gluten and dairy, especially if you haven't had in a while, it really can cause a lot of trauma and inflammation. Uh, you've been very like particular with your diet. So, um, and then it makes your cravings worse. I think once you start totally, yeah, it's, it makes you so much more hungry. It's like, yeah, yeah. Knuckling through it for two weeks. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, depending on how far out they were, I either said like on the traveling day, if they were flying back on Saturday, you know, just eat intuitively, have an untracked day or, mm-hmm. um, you know, some of like 
one of them had was going to stay in New York. And I just said, just make sure you hit protein goals because yes. they were a little bit far out from like they didn't have an immediate show coming up. So, um, yep. yeah, just very context dependent. And, it, you know, I think that's something to think about when post show is really a tricky thing because a lot of people overdo it with sweets and um, yeah. they indulge and and then it, it makes it really hard to make improvements and get back on track and things like that. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a strategy, but depending on when your next goal is for sure. Um, and I think it always should be discussed beforehand mm-hmm. so that you know what's happening after the show. You're not like totally banking on having pizza and ice cream. And then you're, Next thing you know, there it's like, no, we need to keep things super tight because you're getting on stage. So I think that's another thing, too, is like when I've had clients that just do they have their shows stretched out more. They're always used to having that like a little bit more flexible day of dieting uh, right after the show. And when it's close, like I have to like give them that conversation of we need to keep things, you know, even if this show wasn't happening, consider where you were at three weeks before the show and what you were doing with your diet. We need to go right back into that. Right. Cause you it does make a difference. Yeah. You wouldn't be having sleeves of cookies. Like if you're three exactly. weeks out, it doesn't matter exactly. that you just did a show. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Something yeah. else coming up. Right. Yeah. So, exactly. Yeah. Well, we're at the 30 minute mark. So that was our recap of universe. Woo-hoo. Um, yeah. So, we would love it if you could tag us on your story. You can find us on Instagram at Prep Life Podcast or at Glam Girl Bikini. Feel free to DM, DM us on anything that you um, care to share with us about questions that you have that you want us to mention on the show or topics that you would like for us to, to discuss. And uh, the best way to really show your support of the podcast is by giving us a rating or review. We really try our best to keep this podcast uh, ad free. And so as your payment, your only payment for the show is just to rate and review so that other people that are interested in the sport of bodybuilding and the topics we talk about uh, can more easily find us. So if you would like to apply for the team, you can go to glamgirlbikini.com and you can hit the get started button. And there uh, you can apply for your unicorn prep. So this is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Inger, signing off with my fabulous co-host. And this is Chris Nicole, Glam Girl Bikini Coach and IFBB Bikini Pro. Thanks for listening, guys.